next few weeks. Are you there? You can say amen. amen. Therefore, and we're going to start in what I said, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being alien from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let us pray. God, we love you tonight, uh, today, this morning. Uh, we praise you for all that you're doing. And Lord God, uh, uh, Lord, we thank you that you have a word for us. Father, we position ourselves so we might sit and hear what you have to say. Father, I pray that as I speak, none of me, all of you, I pray that this word will not only be heard, but it will be applied and that there will be fruit that will come from it that will change the lives of those who are listening this morning. God, we give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory. And all God's people said, amen. Amen and amen. Earlier this week, I was uh, headed to lunch on my lunch break at work. And uh, right there in uh, the city of Fairfax. And uh, I was going to Potbellies. How many of you ever heard of Potbellies? Uh, it's a great place to eat. Uh, Potbellies is somewhat misleading, but anyhow. Um, I was going to Potbellies to grab a bite to eat, and as I was walking to the restaurant, uh, there was a man that uh, passed me. He was going in the opposite direction, and he had with him two large bags. Um, those bags uh, were like garbage bags. I'm not really sure what, were, what was in the bags, but he looked at me, and he spoke, and he looked like he had it kind of rough, you know. Uh, I wasn't really sure if he was a person that was down and out or, you know, it, I just, I mean, it, because he had, he had this kind of a smile on his face as he walked by me. And so I go inside the store, I come back out, and I see that same person now stretched across the bench. And uh, he's lying there, and he have his hand over his face like this. And uh, the two bags that he had was just kind of sitting there. And then reality struck me that here was a man who was more than likely homeless, who was down and out. And I remember walking by him and there was such uh, sadness that came over me. I know that there is a tendency for all of us and I think sometimes we do it in order to justify our not responding. Sometimes there's a temptation to say, well, you know what? They put themselves in that position. Then they just have to deal with it. I understand the argument. I've heard all of that. But you know what? 
the worst emotion or feeling that you could ever, ever have in this world is a feeling of hopelessness. A feeling that, that I don't want to live, that I don't have any reason to live. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. And I, I, I looked at that, and, 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 and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, God, if, if somehow that they can understand, that, that they could really know how much you love them, how great of a price that you paid, that perhaps they can understand what it really means to live life. And, and it's so easy to think that it's never going to happen to me. I can tell you that if it were not for the grace of God, that could be any one of us. Amen. Down and out, having no hope, going through life, just like, I don't know how this day is going to turn out. I don't know what I'm going to do today. I'm just going to go out there and see what happens. It's a sad, sad thing. And it's a reminder. And every time I see that, it reminds me of this. The Bible says in Second Peter, it says that this world is passing away. The fashion of this world, it is passing away. And every time we see pain, every time, every time we see disaster, every time we sense hopelessness around us, it's a reminder that this world is passing away. It's passing away. As we know it, it's passing away. That's why you see death and destruction. The Bible, in fact, says that the whole creation is moaning and groaning, waiting for the redemption of the grace of God and the sons of God. And so we see people, people even that have resources, that have money, in actuality, they really have no hope beyond this world. They have a false hope. They have a false hope. And the reality of it is, is that there is no real lasting hope outside of Jesus Christ. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care, I don't care about what it looks like on the outside. How I many you know what I'm talking about? The only real hope is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus said that you are the light of the world. That means us, the church. We are the light of the world. We're the light. In other words, he's saying that, that we're, our, we're supposed to be the folks that give direction in life, that, that, that if anybody come in our vicinity, we have this treasure in earthen vessel. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. That's why you often hear me say that no believer, no Christian should ever walk around with your head hung down talking about you don't know how you're going to make it. I mean, no, the devil is a liar. You have every reason to hope you who are in Christ. He is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. I believe that with, every, with all of my being, that the church is the light of the world. 
And the enemy would want you to do nothing else but to sit silently and let the world go to hell while you keep quiet and you talk about how that your life is better. How that you have salvation. How many know that those folks that you and I walk by every day, they need to know about this hope. The scripture is is very clear about this subject. He said, we are the light of the world. That we're the one to bring hope to a dying world. 1 Peter 3.15 says that we must be ready to always give a reason of the hope that lies within us. How many know that we shouldn't wait till Easter to talk about the hope? You should be talking about hope every day, every day of your life. You should be plotting, thinking, praying about a way to display and to preach Christ to every creature. Every day of our life that, that, that the Bible says we are to be ready. If somebody came to ask you, give me a reason why I need to hope in Jesus. What would you say? Have you thought about that? What would you say? Well, I, I see you go to church every Sunday, but, but why, do, why do I need to change? I mean, my life appears to be better. I mean, I have more money than you. I have more resources. I have more material things than you. Then, then, then why do I need your Jesus? Can you explain to me why I need to hope in him? What would you say? Are you ready? Are you equipped to be able to preach this gospel? Jesus, he is the hope of the world. And if people are going to know that, we must come to a point that, that, that and I said this this morning in our new members class, that you don't care anymore about what people say or think about you. Because the devil wants you to be so self-conscious. Here's the problem. We all just need to die afresh. Do you hear me? Just say, look, I just need, Lord, crucify me. Get up and walk. Lord, kill the flesh. Kill me today that your son might be manifested in me because there is a hope beyond this world. I mean, if, if, you know, why do people commit suicide? Why do people, why do people walk the streets with back and they lay there? Why, why? I, know, I know the argument is, oh, Pastor Gary, they just lazy. I hear that. I get that. Probably that's a chance that that might be the case. But God died for that soul. He died for that person. And that never changed his love for them. Jesus, when he went around doing good, he wasn't asking people about their life's history, about what they did. He didn't go around doing it. He just, says he ran around doing good. Healing, but people need healing. He healed them. If they needed food, he fed them. He did not go and say, can you please tell me how you got where you were? He just loved people. Because it doesn't matter, because at the end of the day, you need to know who I am. You need to know who I am. I am. The Bible says, it it, it, it says that, that, that our God is the God of all hope. He's the God of all hope. You want, to know, you want hope? You want real life? He says he is the God of all 
that when I see trouble in this world, that I never feel like, how am I going to survive? How, how am I going to make it? How, I, I, I don't feel, I, I, ever since I gave my life to Jesus, I have this perpetual feeling of hope. It never leaves me. But I'm praying that God will convict me and he convict you to get off of your loins and that you will get serious and you will ask him to give you his heart for people. His heart for the lost. His heart for the broken. Lord God, will you give me your heart so that it breaks our heart. It grieves us every time we see somebody die and blood is shed in the street. We've come to a point now that even in, in, in uh, uh, you know, we hear about violence all over the place and, and we look at this stuff. You know, this, that's another killing in D.C. Somebody else just shot somebody else. So what? I just don't think Jesus would have been walking around thinking that way. We have this treasure in earthen vessel. We have hope beyond this life. Jesus saved you. He washed you in his blood so that you can be a witness to the nations and you can share this marvelous hope. You're already in Ephesians chapter 2. And, and we, this was our foundational text. I want to read it here again. He says, therefore, remember that you once were Gentiles in the flesh. Now, now here, here's why this is important. Let me, let, me, let me stop right there for a second. You can keep that scripture up. Because how many of you remember what your mom or your dad used to say? And every now and then you go back home. They say, you know, don't you forget where you come from, boy. I grew up in the country. And uh, so I, I was one of the few people that actually went to college in my family. And so they just assumed that whenever I showed up that I thought that I was somebody. And I really didn't. But uh, maybe I, I changed where I talked just a little bit. You know, I just wasn't as country as I was. But, 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 but you know, they would often tell me, but don't you forget, come home. Don't forget where you come from. But, you know, that's a biblical principle there as well. Because what did Jesus tell the children of Israel right before they went into the land of promise in Deuteronomy? He spent the whole book telling them to remember where you came from. Because when you forget where you came from, you become insensitive. You don't understand. Your heart is not engaged like it should be because you've forgotten where you were. You've forgotten. And Christians, we forget. We get saved. I'm going to heaven. That's good. And we forget that we have an obligation now. Not, this, is, this is not an option the gospel is not an option. It is a mandate by Jesus Christ himself. And, and so we forget. And so what we need to do, we need to go back just a little bit and just remember where we came from. Because perhaps if we remember where we came from, we will be about our father's business just a little bit more. And when you remember where you came from, it helps us to identify where people are and how that we can reach them. Because I'm more motivated because I know where God brought me from. And I know if he did that to me, he can do the same thing for you. Watch this. He says now in verse 12, but at that time you were without Christ. Do anybody remember what it was like to be without Christ? I mean, come on. Let's be real. I mean, we were winging it at best. We, were in all, we, don't, even, we, don't, even, we don't even need to list the stuff that we were involved in. 
Some of you looking at me right now, you know how you was without Christ. Everything in your life was confusing. Your, your life was jacked up. You didn't have a real sense of purpose. You did not really know that there was something greater, there was something better. You were without Christ. You were doing the best that you could. Lost. Walking in darkness. He, he says that you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world. That was what we were like before we came to Jesus. We didn't have any hope. Discover hope? It wasn't there. Our hope was just in this world. You know how you hear sometimes we hear people say, well, they live like it's no tomorrow, because in their minds, there ain't nothing else. That's why they do what they do. That's why killers kill. That's why folks out there murder and do the evil that they do, because they don't really think that there's anything beyond this world. They think that it's all about the here and now. And how do you know it's much bigger than that? Because everybody's going to have to talk to God. You're going to have to bow to Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. Everyone is going to have to see him. He said we were without Christ, having no hope. No hope. Do you know what it feels like to have no hope? When you see those home, when you see those homeless people, when you see people who are who are lost, when you see people. I mean, I, I in, in my line of work, I've seen people that that and I've walked in, in scenes and seen people hang themselves and take pills and, and I was, how do you how do you get to that point? And these are people that had stuff, but they didn't have Jesus. And when you don't have Jesus, you don't really have hope. Because you know what the ultimate destination is of every person? Now, I want to make this personal. I'm not trying to be mean, but I want to make it personal. Because I think sometimes we can only hear it if it's personal. You look at the same chapter 2. Look at verse number 3, if you have your Bibles. It says, among also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Watch this. And were by nature children of wrath, just like everybody else. In other words, that the only thing that somebody who is outside of Christ, the only thing they have to look forward to is eternal death and destruction. If your sister don't know Jesus, they'll spend eternity in hell. If your mother, if your brother, if your father, if your best friend, if the folks that you love the most, if they don't know Jesus, if you really love them, you will tell them about this hope. And you will preach it to them every day of your life until they come. Because you won't see them again beyond this life. Pastor, I don't believe in hell. Do you believe the Bible? It's no such thing of dying. And then once you die, you have another chance to get right with God. No, no. You got to do it before then. And this is the message that you got to tell everybody. Listen, there is hope beyond this world. When you see all the trouble and stuff around you, you need to understand that that there is hope beyond this. And, And unless you come to him, you are subject to wrath. That's where we were. Thank God somebody preached to you. 
Thank God that preacher was on the TV and he was preaching. Thank God your grandmother prayed for you. Thank God somebody got you up in the morning and brought you to church. But listen, for some folk, it ain't like that. You are their messenger sent from God to witness to them. You are to be an evangelist everywhere you go. Your pulpit is at the ear of every unbeliever. And we could become complacent. And you know what? And I don't want to leave it. If you know me, you're going to know who I am. You're not going to know me. You know, I work out at the gym and, and people know me. They know right after you start talking to me, I'm, sooner or later, it's going to come around to Christ. Why? Because that's my mission in life. Well, that's just for the pastor. The devil is a liar. You see how the devil does? You see how the devil does? How is the Bible says, how would they hear unless somebody's preaching to them? Now, we say, well, we take that to be, well, unless there's a preacher, unless there's somebody ordaining that does that for a living, tell them. No, 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 no. How would they hear unless you open your mouth? Now, now because we need to remember where we came from. Don't ever forget where you came from. Don't forget who blessed you. You look good. You look blessed. Every one of you got food on your table. You're driving nice. God has blessed you. But he hasn't done that for you to sit down and be comfortable and watch everybody else around you. Live without hope. Being deceived. Thinking that somehow that they're going to get to heaven because they do a couple good things every now and then. Second Corinthians 5:17. I want you to turn there if you can. Second Corinthians 5. This is one of the most beautiful verses in all of the Bible. Everybody can quote this, right? I mean, this is a He said, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, <laughs> oh, I love this. He says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you there? 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, now you know what you were before you came to Christ. Now, when you come to Christ, and we're laying a foundation. Now, watch this. He says everything is a new creation. Now, everything is brand new. You know, when I first got saved, and I was around 24, 25 years of age. And I remember when I got saved, I saw the sky for the first time. I saw creation like I'd never seen it before. You know why? Because everything was new. Everything in my life was new. Because you are a new creation. Brand new. God, he's making all things new in your life. He says, old things pass away. Now, watch this. Now, you know how they like to do this. Some of your friends like to always try to remind you. And, and, and especially, you know, you know, I, 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 you know I, I hear stories of people on Facebook. They want to get back and they want to meet with me. I, listen, I ain't what I used to be 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I've been changed, brother. You can't get that out of me no more. And you can't bring up all the stuff I did. Well, hey, listen, old things passed away. You're cracking your drunkenness, your evilness, your bitterness, your anger, your crime, everything that you did, your lust, 
All of that has passed away. You got a brand new lease on life. Oh, hallelujah. You ought to be excited. You have a brand new lease. He says, old things have passed away. It's dead. Don't try to bring up stuff that God has already dealt with. I tell him it's under the blood. Hallelujah. I've been redeemed. Don't tell me about what I used to be, what I used to do. It's over. It's over. He says, because all things are new now. Everything is new. Everything is new. Do you not think that a person that's down and out, that they might need to hear that? That they might, they might need to hear you say, that, you know, God can wipe the slate clean and start you all over again. Well, I wish if I, you know, you ever hear people say, I wish I could start all over again. I wish I wouldn't have done that. You can. He makes all things new. Old things pass away. This is the gospel message. It's passed. It's done with. But not only that. He saved you. He made you a new creation. But then look at Jeremiah 29, 11. How I many of you know where I'm going with this already? No, anybody know? Oh, you will read it in a second when you get there. Watch this. You got that in the NIV? Oh, yes, I love it. Oh, yes, hallelujah. Here we go. He says now, now listen, not only did God, see, see, he gives you hope. He saves you. He gives you life. He makes you a new creation. But then he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, now you need to understand about Jeremiah that the people of God was in exile because of their disobedience to God. And God had rejected them and God was bringing judgment on them. But in the middle of all of that, Jeremiah was a prophet sent by God to straighten them out. And in the middle of all of that, God says to them through the prophet, for I know the plans I have for you. Now, why is that important? Because everybody that gets born into the kingdom, God has established a course for your life. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Young people, parents, you can do your kids a great favor. You know, they're worried about what am I going to do? What am I going to do when I get out of high school? What am I going to do? Well, it first starts on your knees. Don't use the world's way. Of, of setting our kids on a course. No, no. We need to bathe them in prayer and they need to hear the call of God on their life because you want to be in a sweet spot of what God has destined for you because the scripture says, for I know the plans I have for you. God already mapped out a course. Your job is to find out what it is. And here's what we do. We take the world's way of doing things sometimes, and we just say, oh, just think of something that you like to do and just do it. No, 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 no. You need to get on your knees, young people. Parents, teach them. Get on their knees. Begin now to seek out what it is that God has for them. Because he has a plan. He has a plan. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I mean, you know, God does things for your good. He said, I, my plans, I want to prosper you. Now, the way we look at prosper sometimes and the way God looks at prospering is totally different. Let's admit that right up front. But how many know that the best place that you can be in this world is in the will of God? Because your anointing and your grace and your ability, you get somebody flowing in what God has purposed for them to do. And brother, let me tell you something, you can't touch them. When I'm flowing in my gifting, when I'm flowing in my calling, when I'm doing what I was called to do, 
You can't touch me. I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I'm just anointed to do what I do. Don't be trying to do something that God has not anointed you to do. It'll crash and burn. He says his plan is to prosper us. Watch this. And not to harm you. But why is God putting these? Why God don't want me to do this and do that? Because he don't want you to be harmed. Right? I mean, God don't want you to go out there and make you say, God don't want you to go outside of his design. God don't want you to be miserable. So he sets things. He tells you, Here's, this, this is the way, walk in this. Oh, God, why do I need to walk in that? Because this is the way. This is the plan I have for your life. Walk in this. He says, my plan is to give you a future and a hope. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. A future and a hope. Not, well, how am I going to make it? Well, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do in my life. No, 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 no. God says, my plans are to give you a future and a hope. Hope is a confident expectation. That you ought to live your life every day confidently, knowing that God will make a way for me. Why? Because he called you. Why? Because he loved you. Why did he choose you? Why did he choose? I mean, do you, anybody here think they might want to ask God, why did you choose me? I don't know, but I like it. Because <laughs> I know it had very little to do with me. It had everything to do with his loving kindness and his tender mercies over my life. So, so what we see is, so, so we have hope. He, you know, he saved us. He made us a new creation. He, he's given us a plan for our lives. But, but that doesn't mean that sometimes we have to battle with feelings of feeling like we're not going to make it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you, as a believer, you felt like there were times you didn't really know how you were going to get through it? How many of you have ever felt that way? I mean, this hurts, this painful. I'm not really sure how I'm going to get through this. Now, you know the truth. But, 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 but see, what the enemy wants to tell you, he wants you to have the perception that, that, that he wants you to give up. See, the devil wants you to quit because if you can quit, then you won't influence nobody else. Because you can't help yourself unless you're in a position that you feel good about who you are and who Christ made you to be. Are you, are you following me? So what do you do? What do you do when you feel hopeless? The first thing is, watch this, you got to give your life to Jesus. If anybody, here, if you're listening to me this morning or if you're listening to this CD, whoever you are, you have no hope unless you give your life to Jesus. You are on a fast track to hell unless you surrender your life to Christ. I know we don't like to preach that nowadays. I know we, 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 we like to say that, that we just like to skip over that part. But I, I, I am not going to let the enemy just, I ain't, listen, if I can help it, I'm going to preach the hell out of everyone I come in contact with if I can. Right. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because you have to come to a point that you begin, you become that radical. That I am going to preach it out and I'm going to preach life because I, you, we are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. That Think about the kind of love that God has given us. He said, look, I'm giving this to you. You're to take my message now. You're, you're to go and share hope. 
You're, you ought to do this now. So first thing you got to do is give your life to Jesus. Secondly, here's what you got to do. Watch this. Declare the word of God and prophesy over your situation. Now, we're not talking about magic. I mean, we don't believe in magic. You know, there's no like, you know, people try to come up with the formulas and all this stuff and all that. Listen, I talked to one guy one time. He started giving me all these numbers. He's trying to predict when Jesus is coming back. And he gave me all these different numbers. I'm like, you're killing me. You're killing me. It ain't about that. See, when I prophesy the word of God over my situation, I am making a declaration of faith. See, you know how they used to say in the faith movement, I'm going to take my jacket off because I, I feel good right now. Is that okay? You know how they used to do in the faith movement, and they used to say that, that, that uh, 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 you need to deny, your, deny that you're sick. So you used to have people that had disease, they were sick, and they walk around and say, I'm, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm here. And I'm like, wait a minute, brother, wait a minute, wait a minute. You are sick because I, I see you throwing up. I know your head hurt because you're popping Advil. So why are you lying? No, no, we don't, we don't deny the reality. We just declare the word of God over it that I'm coming up out of it because I believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. That's what I believe. So what do I do? I declare the word of the Lord over my situation. Amen. Look at Psalm 42 real quick. I got two places I want you to turn real quick. Jump there real quick. Go, go, run. Hurry up. Psalm 42. How many of you have ever talked to yourself? Ah, Pastor, I don't talk to myself. That's crazy. Okay. Let me fix this because this is killing me. Watch what David does. Watch this. In Psalm 42, start in verse number five. Now, watch, look at what David is going through in his own heart. He said, Now, why are you cast down, O my soul? Who is he talking to? <laughs> See, I'm in good company. So y'all thought I was crazy. So y'all were going to leave out here and say, I got a crazy pastor that loved to talk to himself. Well, here you go. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Uh, oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan. And from the height of Hermon, from the hill of Messar, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Watch, look what he's doing. And in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a Breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 11, but why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. See, every now and then when you're going through it, you need to come to a place in your life where, listen, you just hope in God. You, you talk to yourself. So get up out of this bed. You're not going to stay in depression today. Oh, the devil is a liar. You're not going to walk in fear today. No, I'm going to confront that giant today. I'm not going to be still. I'm not going to sit here and stand by. Oh, no, I'm going up in this. I'm going in the battle. Because God is going to give me the victory. So get up. I'm not walking in no depression. I'm not going to let the enemy intimidate me, worried about talking in front of people. Are you kidding me? That's right. 
If God puts something in my heart, I'm going to do it. So today is your day. That's what David was saying. David was saying, I'm not going to stay here. He's so hoping, God. You got no choice. David said in Psalm 34, he said this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. In other words, David was saying to himself, you ain't got no choice. Ah, hallelujah. You have no choice. Jump on over to Psalm, I'm sorry, to Ezekiel 37. Watch this. Are y'all being blessed? Hallelujah. Ezekiel 37. Watch this. I got to get there. Ezekiel 37. Here's Ezekiel. God was giving him a lesson just like he gives us a lesson. Hallelujah. 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 Ezekiel 37. Are you there? Can somebody get me a towel, something to wipe my forehead with? Hallelujah. Thank you. Now, now watch this. Watch this. Listen to this. Ezekiel is in a place, and God takes him to a place. And God shows him a place where there's hopelessness all around. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever been in a place where everywhere you look, it just seemed like there's, there's just no way to fix this? There, there, there seems like that, that you know, that, that this thing is over. But, 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 you know, God sent me to tell you this morning that, that it ain't over until God says it over. You need to understand that, right? right. Now, now watch this. Now he says here in Ezekiel 37, watch this. In the hand of the Lord, I got I to gotta put these glasses on. I can't read like I used to. And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Watch this. Then he caused me to pass by them and around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley. Indeed, there were very dry. In other words, this was death all around. This looked like that there was no chance that life can come out of this situation. You may find yourself in a situation today, you're thinking, ain't no way this can change. And, you know, you may have come to a point where you have just accepted where you are and just said, look, this is where I'm supposed to stay. But let me tell you something this morning. You got to sometimes you just need to prophesy over your situation. You need to declare the word of the Lord over what you're going to watch this. Watch what Ezekiel does. Now, I want you to see how God commands him to respond. He said to me, son of man, this is God talking. Can these bones live? In other words, God is saying, uh, brother, do you believe I can fix that financial problem? Do, Do you believe that I can heal your body? Do you believe that I can deliver you? Do you believe that I can make a way out of no way? That's what he was saying to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, do you believe that I can change this? And he says a smart thing. Watch what he says. He says, oh, Lord, you know. (laughs) Again, he said to me, watch this. Here's what he told Ezekiel to do. Prophesy to these bones. In other words, declare, speak life to these bones. And say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. See, you need to come to a point in your life that you just need to speak life in dead situations. Where it seems like there's no hope, you need to speak hope. I know you've been praying for that brother, that sister for a number of years, and it seemed like ain't no way they're going to get saved. How I many you got people like that? I mean, it seemed like it even take something bigger than God to save them. But, 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 but watch, but, but listen to me, you need to keep speaking over that, that you're going to be saved in Jesus name. You need to make a declaration of faith. Faith. Watch what Ezekiel does. 
Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse number five, thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you will know that I am the Lord. How many know God just want to show you how bad he is? You see, you never knew that God could solve your problem unless you first had one. See, some of us, it's good for us. David said it this way. It's good that the Lord afflicted me, that I might learn his precepts and I might see his glory and I might see him work on my behalf. So every now and then, it's good to have to go through some hardship. Because, see, you don't really know God when it's all well and good. You you, you know God best when you got to suffer a little bit, when you go through it and God brings you out of it. When he lifts you up, that's when you really get to know God. Not when everything is going well. So that's why Paul said, I take pleasure in weaknesses and infirmities. He said, I love it because the power of God rests on me. Look, he says in verse number seven. He he, he listened. He did what God told him to do. How many know you got to do what God tells you to do? He said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, watch this, there was a noise. Now, these were dry bones. (laughs) And suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. And he said to me again, watch this. Do what? Somebody said who's reading with me. Prophesy. Speak, son. Isn't it interesting that God wasn't going to do nothing until he first opened his mouth? Did, Did you see that? God wasn't going to do nothing until he first prophesied. You see, God is moved by faith. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. you got to believe. And so when you really believe it, you start talking it. You see, you got to start talking. you got to start speaking like you're going to get the victory. Don't be walking around all the time talking about how bad it is. It's doom. It's gloom. I don't know how I'm going to make it. How many of you ever met people like that? Every time you talk to them, they never... I'm always struggling. I don't know. I'm a brother. Come on. Who are you serving? Come on. Speak faith. Believe God for something. He says, in verse number nine, and he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, and they may live. So I prophesied as as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they what? Live and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Hallelujah. Don't tell me that you don't serve a God of hope. But see, part of your hope is you got to prophesy over your situation. You got to believe that God is able. Then number, number three, third thing you need to do, recall your past victories in life. Amen. How many of you keep a journal about what God has done in your life? Amen. You better start. Start keeping a journal. Write down things God does in your life. What did David do? You remember David? I don't, you can put the scripture up there, but I won't have it turned there. You can read it. But in 1 Samuel chapter number 17, Verses 32 through 37. You remember the story of David. David was going to fight Goliath. And Saul said, David, you can't go out there and fight that giant. You can't do it. David, you're just a kid. And you know what David said? David said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's what you need to understand. One time I was at home guarding a sheep and a, and a bear came and I, and I defeated the bear. 
And at one time, I killed a lion. I destroyed a lion. So who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is taunting the armies of the living God? He said, just like God delivered me from the hand of the, of the bear and the lion, so he will deliver me from this Goliath. I will take his head off and feed him to the birds. Amen. What, what, what did David do? David just recalled what God had already done. When you start feeling hopeless, here's what you need to do. You need to go back and say, let me, let me think back to what God did in my life. Let me tell you something. Keep a journal. You'll be amazed. You go back and read and say, yeah, I prayed this and look what happened. Oh, I prayed. Oh, and you know what? You, suddenly you'll find your chest sticking out. You'll be like, oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to get through this every single time God has been faithful to me. He's not going to let me down. You need to recall past victories and things that God has done in your life. And then, and then number four, this is the last one. Number four, you need to hope against hope. Turn to Romans chapter number four, if you will. Run with me real quick. Oh, hallelujah. Romans chapter number four. Romans four. You know, I've been hearing nowadays that they say that women now are having babies a little bit later in life. But I ain't found one yet that can tap, that can cap Sarah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You know, Abraham is called the father of our faith. You know why Abraham is called the father of our faith? Because he's an example of how we are supposed to live. Now watch this. Look at the Romans chapter number four, verses 16 through 20. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed and not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is what? The father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Watch this. In the presence of him who whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and called those things which do not exist as though they did. And that's the God you serve. Who contrary to hope, this is Abraham, contrary to hope. In other words, he didn't have a reason to hope. In hope believed. <laughs> so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now watch this. This is powerful. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. Y'all know what that means, right? Do we need to elaborate? I didn't think so. In other words, the brother was too old to do anything. And the, now y'all got it. There you go. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. I mean, she was up there. We're talking like up in the 90s. Watch this. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But watch this. But what did he do? But was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God. Are you kidding me? Abraham was, this was some 25 years before, and he still haven't had the baby. God made a promise to him 25 years before. Still hadn't had the baby yet. And the Bible says that Abraham, who you would think he's already old, first of all, when God gave him the, the promise. But now he's really up there. But and you would think the brother would lose faith and say, no, no, it ain't going to happen. I knew God promised me a seed. He says in me, all the families of the earth will be blessed. I know God promised, but maybe God just forgot. No, the Bible didn't say that. The Bible said when he didn't have a reason to hope, 
When everything around him looked like there was no way possible that Sarah can give birth, certainly God can't do nothing with this. The Bible says against hope, he hoped. And watch this. It said that the worse the things look, he grew stronger in faith. Did y'all hear that? Abraham didn't get weaker because his situation got worse. He got stronger in faith. See, that's a lesson to you and me. That the, listen, you ever heard them say when the, tough gets, when the going gets tough, the tough get going? See, there's some truth to that. I don't know if the folks who said it understood that there's a biblical principle tied up into that. But what Abraham did, Abraham said, look, look the more hopeless it looks, the more stronger my faith gets. His faith did not waver. Not one moment he kept believing God. What are you going through today? What are you having to deal with? And perhaps you're thinking maybe your faith is getting weaker. Your, your faith did not need to get weaker. It need to get stronger because you serve a God of all hope. Hallelujah. So, so your faith. So look, you need to look at that situation. And say, look, it looks bad. It looks rough. I don't really know answers. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Yes, I don't know, but I know one thing that God said that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I know it says in the Bible that he can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. I know that God, he created the heavens and the earth. And the earth is his footstool. All power is in his hand. I know that my God can do anything, so therefore my faith is stronger, not weaker. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what they said about you. Your faith needs to get stronger because it says when you're at your weakest moment, God manifests his glory over your life. Hallelujah. Grow stronger in faith. So you got all this hope living on the inside of you. Ooh, hallelujah. You got all the examples. You, you got the hall of faith. You, you want to get faith? Go back and read Hebrews chapter number 11 as they talk about all the faith and everything that people had to come through. The Bible said many of them died in faith and they kept on believing. Hallelujah. Because you know why? Because eternity was their home. They were thinking far beyond this life. Too many of us get locked into this. But we need to have a, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, you need to keep your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. So here's, here's, so here's what you do. The harder it gets, the stronger your faith gets. The more difficult the challenge. You get up, you keep fighting. I am not going to let this, because I serve a God of the hope. And, and listen, and I serve a God of the resurrection. And we're going to talk about that coming up in the next couple of weeks. Bow your heads. Every head is bowed.